It's another Saturday Night in Comedy, and this week on the panel, we go one-on-one with two of the Big Apple's biggest headliners making their way from NYC to the GTA. New York takes over the six with SiriusXM All-Star, veteran voice actor, and all-around crowd killer Jim Florentine live at Toronto's Royal Comedy Theatre. Then, a little later on, we sit down with late-night All-Star Carmen Lynch on her upcoming tour of the suburbs. Tonight, we're all about Gotham. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to an all-new Inside Jokes, baby! I'm, I might as well just keep it sounding like that right here, as always, on 640 Toronto. And of course, streaming all over the code universe on Global News Online. I'm your host, Dean Young. I am dying. I have a cold. This is not the late Bob Einstein, a.k.a. Super Dave Osborne, hosting the show. It is, in fact, me, Dean. I've got our producer, Vince, on the air. How are you doing, buddy? You sound like Wolfman Jack. <laughs> That's, I really did a bit of a Wolfman Jack there. That's a radio throwback. Uh, yeah. Hopefully... I don't know. Is our median listening age of this show 80 or older? Then they would know who we're talking about. But otherwise... It will be after this episode. I mean, hey. It will um, be. That, that intro, though, that was pure Wolfman Jack. I think... I, Vince, if anyone, all you guys and girls out there. Here's all you guys and girls. I really did. If anyone's tuning in while they're driving on Saturday night, I just... For sure, I caused a couple of bang-ups on the DVP just now with whatever that, <laughs> that was. Or, uh, or we do have... It is, morning. It is a fun uh, double double panel tonight on the show, Vince. We are we are going all things NYC. We have two New York crowd killers. Uh, first up, Jim Florentine, who is making his way to Toronto one night only at yep. the Royal Comedy Theatre, which, by the way, that seems to be uh, the venue of choice lately. That's a hot spot lately. That's the go-to in the post-pandy comedy landscape here. So, Jim, our listeners might know him from his six albums, specials, best-selling book. He, of course, is a frequent guest on the Howard Stern show, Opie and Anthony, and of course his own Sirius XM show. He also hosts a hit podcast. So he's all over the place and quite frequently on the air, uh, but coming right here to Toronto. And a little bit later on, we have our old friend Carmen Lynch, who joined us early on in the pandy back in those early days and uh, is making her way to the GTA. But this is very interesting, Vince. She's doing a tour of basically the suburbs. She's going... Yeah. Pretty much everywhere in Ontario you can go except for Toronto. So it's interesting how that whole tour came together. What made her kind of tour around all these Canadian suburb spots? We're going to find out. But it's definitely a double dose of NYC tonight, Vince. Yeah, some some great NYC crowd killers are coming to Toronto or around Toronto. So uh, it's nice to get a little shining moment. We have them both on for you tonight. There we go. It's all New York right here. Manhattan takes Toronto right here, right now on Inside Jokes. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on 640 Toronto and of course as always streaming coast to coast, Canada wide, planet earth wide in fact on the Global News Radio Network if you happen to have the internet. This week's show is brought to you by quite literally no one at all. We are open for business heading into season eight and believe me there is no sponsor too small especially not right now. I'm your host, Dean Young, and no, I am not the late Bob Einstein, but I certainly sound like it this week. Uh, We are going all things NYC tonight on the panel. First up, we're kicking it off with 
well-known comic, touring headliner, Sirius XM host, hit podcaster, best-selling author, all-around basic comedy renaissance man who's coming to one night only, double two shows here at R Toronto's Royal Comedy Theatre. We got Jim Florentine on the line right now. How are you doing, Jim? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. What a, what an intro. We should be brought brought to you by lozenges of this week anyways, but so I mean, the one thing I wanted to pick your brain on, Jim, before we get to you know what the why 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 the royal and what the this show is all about, is, I mean, obviously, I mean, you're 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 hosting a hit podcast that's been a huge forum for comics in recent years. Sirius XM has long been a home for you. I mean, listeners know you for your regular appearances on Stern and on Opie and Anthony, of course, hosting your own show. But it's kind of interesting. Sirius XM was always that place for years where comics would step off stage and get behind the radio mic and just sort of connect with an audience in a different way and get to be sort of unfiltered, more open versions of themselves where, you know, you're stepping away from your material and you're just kind of being raw and real. Sirius XM was sort of the hotspot for that for a lot of comics for a long time. And of course it still is, you're still on the air over there, but podcasting kind of became the new format for that. Now, I mean, everybody in comedy is engaged in the world of podcasting. Do you think it sort of changed the game in that way? Do you think it sort of took a lot of that thunder away from Sirius in a way and just became sort of the new platform? Or is it just another tool in the arsenal for comics? It's, it's definitely helped comics because at, at this point, you know, you as long as you build your own audience, it does. It, it, the old philosophy was you have to get on a late night talk show and build a following like that or get an HBO special. Now you can build your own audience through your podcast and, and the industry will come to you if it's popular enough. They'll give you a Netflix special or an HBO or whatever like that or a TV deal because they see how popular it is. So it has changed. You know, Sirius XM was great for comics, especially playing our bits on the comedy channels because yeah. no regular radio ever played comedy bits, rarely. So that was a big, big, a lot of exposure for us when it first came out. And even now, there's like five different channels that play just our stand-up bit. So people get to know us from that. And then, yeah, Opie and Anthony and Howard Stern, just a, the loose format of talking. And then bringing another element of, you know, being, a, you could curse. You can get a little more dirtier with your language than regular radio. Because they were on regular radio here for a long time, Stern and Opie yeah. and Anthony, before they moved over. So... All of that stuff combined all helps. And, you know, the comics, it's great for the comics now because they don't have to go the one route to try to get big, which is the Tonight Show followed by maybe HBO or Comedy Central. You could do it all on your own. Well, and I think, is that, do you think, I mean, obviously, especially in the New York scene, why so many comics maybe did make that move to Sirius, especially when Stern decided to go there is because New York is a is a stand-up mecca. It's a stand-up town. It's different from LA. LA you go to like, yeah, there's stand-up and improv and da da da, da. You go to LA because you want to get writing gigs, you want to get seen and you want to get signed and you want to get famous. New York is more a dyed-in-the-wool, hardcore stand-up town. And comics, even when Stern was on terrestrial radio, always had that he always had that relationship with the comedy scene. So do you think there was sort of this migration that happened over to Sirius XM once he went over there? Yeah. I mean, I was part of the Stern show when he was on regular radio, you know, which he had like 20 million listeners across the United States, you know, in, in different markets because he's on in so many markets. So it was great for us. He would I'd go on there. He'd say, hey, Jim's going to be in Pittsburgh this week. And I would sell out all the shows. Then when he went over to Sirius, all his real hardcore fans came over to not everybody did. But the people that came over definitely were going to go see you perform live and be a part of the show. And now it's at the point where you're almost like a classic rock act. If you were on Opie and Anthony or Stern back in the heyday, 
Yeah. People remember that, you know, like they remember when they were in their early twenties, listening to that stuff, how crazy it was. And there's still all the old clips online on YouTube. So people go back and listen to that stuff. So they still, still come and go, dude, I remember you from ONA from 15 years ago. I remember you from the Stern show from 20 years ago. So we're almost like classic rock acts now, which is great. And people come see you. Well, it's kind of funny how you mentioned too, because it's something we were going to pick Carmen Lynch's brain on this week on the panel too, is the late night circuit. I mean, as you were saying, I mean, that's how comics always, you know, if you ended up on one of the late shows, and especially if, you know, there was that always that old adage, if you get called over to the couch after your set, that was a career maker. You kind of knew you were on the right track and a wide audience was seeing you for the first time. And that was a career launcher that, I mean, you know, the late shows still exist and obviously there's still a, a, a playground for stand-up comics but the game has changed a lot hasn't it i mean that's not really the doesn't you don't need to go that route it doesn't need to be your career launcher anymore because as you were saying i mean you can you're podcasting now you get out to an audience that way you're putting in out digital content there's just this whole new forum where i think comics are kind of more in charge of their own destiny in a lot of ways that they weren't before yeah well you know also back in the day when carson was on there was like you know 10 tv channels so you really didn't have a lot of options <laughs> So basically, you know, there's channel, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS here in the States. And those are the three big channels. Fox, Fox Network didn't even come along till like the early 90s or maybe yeah. late 80s. And it still didn't catch wind until like the mid 90s when like the NFL started airing on Fox. So you know, you, you had no choice but to watch the whatever, whatever sitcom was on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. That's all you watched. Yeah, if, if there was 500 channels back then and all this other stuff going on and podcasts, and I'm sure it wouldn't have worked back then either. It is kind of true. And because you knew that there was this one show that half the country was guaranteed to be tuned into and they were honed in on that, it was like that was just the spotlight was on you as a comic in that exact moment. So I guess it's kind of a double-edged sword in a way because, yeah, there's all these other inroads now, but... Our attention spans are about this. They're five seconds long now. And there's so many flashing lights everywhere. There's so many things going on. So you have way more, way more platforms as a comic now, but a lot less sets of eyes on all these things at any given time. It's, it's better for way better for comics now, because you really, there was only so many slots that the tonight show could fill with comics doing stand up on there. There was only four or five HBO specials. They would give out a year maybe four comedy central specials so if you weren't in the, that that echelon you you were screwed there's no you know there was and it was all the veterans you know back in the day you get of course robin williams dana carvey jim carrey guys like that were going to get comedy specials you know so if you were a new guy there was maybe one or two slots for a new and upcoming guy and even with the tonight show you know they, they would take a chance on one but they'd have the same regulars coming back rodney dangerfield back in the day and guys like that come on every you know eight weeks to do a new seven minute set so now it's you you just find your own audience which i always loved i mean i i never went that route of going right a, a clean set to do the tonight show to maybe right. i just knew what that wasn't for me i'm like i'm a little more edgier than that and i don't want to do that kind of material you kind of just fall you know in the middle of the pack if you do that there's a few that will stick out but so I knew, I knew, you know, going on Howard Stern and opening Anthony back in the day with their big audience, that was the Tonight Show for me. That's how I got exposed to a big audience. And that's true. I mean, that's you actually at least, you know, connecting with the audience that you're meant to, where you're being, you're being true to your own voice and to your material. You're not changing up anything just for the sake of, you know, getting that sort of middle America exposure. It's like, now you, you you honed in on exactly who your material is aimed at in the first place and who you wanted to be out there listening to it without having to give any of that stuff up. 
Exactly. And then now with the podcasting and everything else, you could pretty, you know, you just play to your audience, which is fine. Cause that's always, that's what a comic always wanted. Like the, the audience to come to see them, like the whole audience knows who they are. That was always a goal as a comic, you know, to get, instead of performing a bunch of, bunch of strangers when you first start out and they don't know who you are and they're like, Whoa, Whoa, I'm not really into the style of comedy. So when you could get your own audience coming to a theater to see you, that's, that's the ultimate goal for a comic. Which, by the way, when we come back from break, we're going to find out what Jim Florentine's going to be doing on stage here at the Royal. Again, we got a double header of shows coming up one night only here in Toronto, April 21st at the Royal Comedy Theatre. We're going to come back from break with more Jim Florentine right here on Inside Jokes. Hey, this is Jim Florentine, and you're listening to Inside Jokes. Nice. We take Manhattan. Then we take Berlin. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby! I am not Wolfman Jack, I'm in fact Dean Young. You're listening right here on 640 Toronto, and of course, as always, streaming all over the known universe on Global News Online. We are talking to Jim Florentine, who is coming to Toronto from the NYC. He's got two shows coming up at the Royal Comedy Theatre. April 21st, which by the way, Jim, before the break, we were talking about, you know, the advent of podcasting and how that sort of changed the game for a lot of comics and enabled you to sort of reach out to a new audience and and be a sort of more raw, open version of yourself the way that comics have been for a lot of years now on Sirius XM. One thing I want to pick your brain on too is, you know, we were talking earlier about back in the day, there was only X amount of comedy specials. And when, they, and when those came out, like if somebody did an HBO special, that was a big deal. That was a water cooler talk for a lot of people for weeks after that, because there weren't a lot of them. There was X amount of late shows. There was X amount of specials. Now every streaming platform is flooded with stand-up specials. I mean, you could you could spend another entire COVID just watching stand-up specials and never run out. Now, more recently, of course, the big talk in comedy was Chris Rock did the first ever live streaming special on Netflix. Which is interesting because I it feels like we're moving away from watching things live, but it was the first time doing a live thing on a streaming platform like that. Obviously, a lot of people tuned in, but I think part of that too is the, they want to hear him talk about the Will Smith thing and all that stuff. What do you think, though? Do you think live streaming on these on these platforms is going to become a new thing, or do people have the attention span for that anymore? To actually, I don't t- think people. I don't think people really care because they know they can watch it afterwards. So if they weren't, uh, whenever Chris Rock special was on at 10 o'clock that night, they didn't need to be in front of the TV to watch it. They're like, oh, I'll just watch it in the next few days. I got other stuff to watch. It's always going to be there. So I, I mean, I did a live streaming special during the pandemic, you know, when uh, I went up to Maine and did it in like this little theater with everything, the social distancing and stuff. So people could watch at home. That was a formula for a little while, because people were still afraid to be out in public and be inside yeah. near people. So I wound up doing that. That was pretty successful, but I don't know. I mean, look, the live streaming on YouTube, you know, and, and those kind of platforms is starting to get really big and people are used to, you know, watching that stuff. So, I mean, uh, I'm working on a show where there might be some, a, a live streaming YouTube thing too. So, uh, the thing is, you got to watch it in that moment, but you can also just watch it later. So um, I don't know if it's such a big deal. I mean, Chris probably just want to do something different. And he yeah. was at the point where he knew that material. He was torn for like a year and a half on that material. So he had it down. So it wasn't like yeah. he was all nervous. Oh, man, am I going to mess up? I'm this, um, this stuff isn't honed. I don't know exactly where I'm going. So he was doing that set for a year and a half, basically working it out. So Yeah, for him, it was the same as just shooting a special again, whether it's live or not. And it is kind of funny because we've been moving away from 
like you said, I mean, everything nowadays is all about, I want to watch what I want to watch when I want to watch it. Same with your podcast. It's like the whole thing there is people can download it and listen to it when they want. So everybody's in charge of like when they consume this stuff. So going live is, is kind of a funny way to go. Yeah. And it's weird when you, when you want to watch like a show, like I remember I was watching Yellowstone for a little while and you know, it's once a week. So you have to wait. You're like, Oh, this is so weird. I got to wait for the new episode. You know, when, yeah, when you just yeah. watch everything you know, at one point, it's like, yeah, I, I'm like, oh, man. That was this... the 80s, Jim. That was the 80s. No, I know. But if you want to watch, like Yellowstone's a really popular show here in the States. Yeah. If you want to yeah. watch it, you know, each Sunday, you got to watch it with the commercials, too. Like, oh, man, this is so, so My... strange. What I, what I would usually do is I'd start at watching like a half hour late. I'd record it and right. I'd just skip through the commercials. So I'd be a half hour behind watching it. But then I, I'd just skip through the commercials. Yeah. But my is, is how long do you think before the Comedy Cellar or the Boston Comedy Club or Catch a Rising Star starts doing live streams on a Friday night and you're going to pay? And I don't know if the comics are getting a cut on it or not, but you can, you want to leave, you don't want to leave the house? Download the uh, comedy. Mm, I don't think that's going to happen. Really? I don't, you know, they do, they do once in a while, a comedy seller will do a live stream, but comics want to, you know, hide that material until they can put out a full special. So they don't want well, that stuff out there. The so they don't want, you know, the new 15 minutes because they're working on an hour special for Netflix or Amazon Prime okay. or something like that. So, and then, you know, if you've got a big fan base, they, they if, once they see that material, they don't want to see it again. Yeah, so it, and people yeah. still like going out. I mean, I've never seen comedy has been. I've been doing comedy over thirty years now. I've never seen it this popular. People come into clubs, theaters, watching stand up comedy. I've never seen it like this before. And supposedly we're in a recession in the United States, and I don't know what's going on in Canada, but I just know that you know everything's oh, no, here too. <laughs> way more expensive. And you're like, man, this this economy is going to crash at some point. But the yeah. places, comedy, the clubs are packed. It is kind of funny because we, you know, coming out of the last couple of years, obviously, where you had a lot of, and we've been talking about this on the show a lot lately, but you had a lot of people who were at home streaming specials, listening to albums, listening to podcasts. So yeah, now you're getting, it's like this spring thaw that's happening. Now you're getting this whole new wave of audience coming out that maybe it never even occurred to them to go watch live standup before. Now they're like, I've been watching all these specials. I want to go to a comedy club. I want to watch a live show. And it's just, packing houses everywhere it, it really is this sort of another boom that's happening right now it is and you never know what's going to happen at a live show people that come for the first time they go this is my first comedy show is amazing i go yeah it doesn't necessarily translate that well on tv you yeah. have to be there that be there in that moment it's just like a concert if yeah. you're watching a concert that you were at that's on youtube you're like yeah i was there it was way better you yeah. know so when uh, so people know at a live event anything can happen and just be in there in that moment. It's way better being in there. So I think people want to go, no, I want to actually go to a club. Yeah. I can watch a million different Netflix specials, but I want to actually see that person live. Totally. And I mean, especially, and I mean, New York is, that's the, that's the Mecca for those intimate, you know, comedy clubs where it's just a dark little room full of like, you know, 50, a hundred people and you're sort of face to face with the comic. And that that's, that's the whole thing itself. There is always that element of like anything can happen. Cause yeah, you have your honed material from your last special or whatever it is you might be planning on doing that night. But you know, something happens with somebody in the audience or something happens that makes you think of something else. And this show is a completely different show from the one you're doing at 10 o'clock tonight. There's always that element of like, it's raw, it's in the moment, anything can happen. And there's no placebo for that. I mean, obviously during the pandemic, yeah, people were doing live streams just for laughs here in Canada came back and did a digital version where you could watch it from home just because people had to work, but there, nothing can replace the actual thing itself. No, definitely not. So, um, 
Yeah, so I, like I was saying, like comedy is bigger than ever. And like I said, everybody's finding their own audience. You know, in New York City at this place called The Stand is one of the comedy clubs, a hot comedy club there now. Every like Tuesday and Wednesday night, they have these people that have podcasts, these comics I've never even heard of are selling out on a Tuesday night, like two shows. I mean, the room's yeah. not that big, but it's that that never happened before. It's the, the power of getting your voice out there and get, and you know, people finding your audience and then going on the road and all these comics that I never heard of, but yet they're coming here on a Tuesday night and doing their live podcast followed by a stand-up show. I'm like, who are these people? But that's great for comics. I've always liked that. I've always supported it. I, I always, my theory was there's always room for everyone out there. So I never got jealous yeah. if someone was doing better than me. There's room for everybody. You don't feel it's oversaturated the market? There's too many comics or too much no. content out there? No. No, because really? everybody, like I said, they find their style of comedy that they like and, and, yeah. and you know, they gravitate towards that. So I, I don't think there is at all. all right. I think, yeah, I think you got to worry about what you're doing and not so, you know. But I, I like what you said, too, about how these live streams, it sort of, it takes away that ability to just to hone something, to hone a new set, to hone a new hour, to hone a new special, a new album, whatever. Like I, we were talking about this on the show a few weeks ago, but Sarah Silverman had a quote about that a while ago. She said, you know, this sort of the age of being able to go to a comedy club and workshop new material and then polish it and polish it and polish it and try it out in front of different crowds night after night and hone this thing. That's kind of dead in some ways now because somebody can film it and then that's it. And it's on the internet forever. And it's just, there's, there's, there's nothing sort of secret or precious about it where you can just have it for that audience in that one night. It's just out there forever now. Yeah. But that does, that doesn't happen that much. I mean, once in a while, you know, down in Austin, Texas, I've been going down there a lot. Joe Rogan just opened the club and all the other clubs there, yep. they make the people put the phone in the bag so they can't, they can't, you know, get on their phone and record anything. And they got the bag at the table. And if they want to use the phone, they go text or call the babysitter. They just go to the front you know, the bouncer and he'll unlock it and you go outside. And those audience are way more attentive. I've noticed it. I'm like, wow, these people are totally engaged where they don't have their phone. Now, not that everyone's texting during a show, but who knows what's going on. But I just feel like, so that might happen. But as far as, yeah, it happened to Louis C.K. Somebody recorded his set and they put a couple bits out there, but it, it doesn't happen that much. It's not that, it's fewer and far. What did you think, by the way, that Austin scene has really been blowing up the last couple of years. A lot of our own Canadian headliners made the move down there during the pandemic because you could work down there the entire time. But I mean, Austin was always a music town, but stand-up scene down there is blowing up. What did you think about playing playing some rooms down there? It's amazing. It's amazing. I've never seen anything like it where there's young people that come to the shows like early 20s and they're not offended which usually yeah. those are the people that get offended. Yeah. Like if you do that, I said, to, I was telling the comics, I've been going down there a lot ago. You don't understand, like this material you guys are doing here, if you were in New York City, it would get groans. They'd be like, oh, and the yeah. room would be like, the room would be tense. I don't see any of that in Austin, which is crazy. So it, it's good for comedy that the younger people understand their jokes. You know, that's what originally what it was like. If you understand it's a joke, if you're going to pick it apart, yeah, you're picking on somebody or something or whatever, but yeah. it's just a joke. Just that's what you're coming here for. Do you think that we're kind of swinging away from that again, finally, though? Like, have you noticed with audiences now, you know, again, with things being fully reopened the last couple of years now and, and new audiences coming out? Because pre-COVID, there was really this trend that was going on in a lot of ways in comedy where it was like, PC policing and it was comics policing each other policing themselves and not letting the audience decide and for a while there it was it was getting kind of difficult to like tell the difference between a comedy special and a TED talk because everything had to have like a moral attached to it or a lesson to attach to it 
felt like everybody was up on a soapbox. Do you think we've eased up on that stuff now with these audiences coming out? Do you think people just want to go to a comedy club, forget about the real world and let comics say whatever they're going to say and actually absorb that stuff? Definitely. I mean, I, you know, uh, when that was going on, it was like, you know, comics need to stand up for each other, stick up for each other. If they don't like a joke, so what? You know what I mean? That's not yeah. their point of view. So I didn't like when that was going on. But the real people that come to comedy clubs are not offended. You don't see, I always ask the comedy club owners, I go, are more people walking out the last few years being offended? They go, no, because they know what they're coming to see. They, 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 there's right. videos of every comic on the show so they could see what they're about. Like, okay, yeah. this isn't my style. I'm not going to come out. So those people that are really offended over jokes, they, they don't really hang out in comedy clubs to begin with. That's not their scene so we're not seeing that which is great but i do the, the crowds that are coming out now love it 90 percent of the the country wherever you perform love it and want you to push buttons and want you to go over the edge which it's good to actually it's healthy to see that actually happening again that seems to be what a lot of comics are telling us lately on this show is that it's you know it sort of feels like going back into a stand-up golden age in a lot of ways right now. It feels like another sort of heyday. Anyways, Jim Florentine, we could talk to you all day, man. But before we do let you go, uh, so where can we catch you? We got you coming here to Toronto. One night only, two shows at the Royal, April 21st. Where can we get tickets? Where can we find you online? Listen to your podcast, hear you on Sirius, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, I got jimflorentine.com. I'm bringing a really funny New York City comedian, Karen Karen Margolis, who's really hot in the city and up and coming stuff. So I think she's going to do well up in Toronto too. So it's the first time in Canada. I haven't been to Toronto in a while. I'm, I'm excited to perform up there. And uh, all my dates are on jimflorentine.com. And I do a podcast called Everybody is Awful. Comes out every Monday, wherever you get there podcasts. You nice. Love it. Perfect. All right. Our listeners at home, don't miss Jim Florentine coming up live at the Royal Comedy Theater. Two shows, April 21st. Check out the pod. Check out jimflorentine.com. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, man. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. All right. We'll see you live soon, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again, Jim. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, this is Jim Florentine, and you're listening to Inside Jokes. Nice. Uh, uh, your money. Yeah, yeah. I know way too Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right baby, right here on 640 Toronto. And of course, as always, streaming coast to coast, Canada wide, North America wide, planet Earth wide, across the whole known universe on Global News Online. Thank you again to Jim Florentine. Don't forget to catch him live. He's got a double header of shows coming up here at Toronto's Royal Comedy Theater, April 21st. And of course, check out jimflorentine.com. Hit up the podcast. Catch him on SiriusXM. Now we are switching gears. We are keeping it all NYC. Tonight on the panel, we have returning friend of the show, Carmen Lynch, who, uh, Carmen, you have a very, and we, we were just talking about this before we hit the air, but you have a very interesting run of dates coming up here in Canada. And we should tell our listeners, you are right now doing some gigs at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club in Vegas. We know yes, I am. And you're returning there coming up before you kick off this run of shows here in Canada. But last time we talked to you was early on in what we affectionately called the pandy on this show because let's let's make that more fun um but last time we had you on the phone everything was sort of even in new york which of course is a stand-up mecca that is a die-hard stand-up town everything was sort of locked down at the time now you're back you're doing festivals you're back at the clubs you're back on the road you're back out there gigging as one should uh but you're doing this run of shows here in canada with our friends at just for laughs it's kind of funny because you're you're really you're going everywhere but Toronto in Canada. You're basically doing a run of the suburbs, which I don't even know if you knew that or that Canada has those. 
Well, first of all, when you say an interesting tour, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know, I don't know what I've gotten myself into. I'm very excited, but I have no idea if if we're talking no streetlights and ten people if there are. Yes, I don't know. Yes, yes, all yes. yes? <laughs> well, Canada's funny. I mean, you know, you're yes, you're a New York comic. That's where you came up, and yes, you're a club comic and a festival comic and all that stuff. But I mean. In Canada, it's very much about putting in, pounding the pavement and putting in the kilometers as we have up here. There's a lot of stretches on the road where you're just traveling long distances in between gigs, in between going from town to town. And it's kind of interesting because this run of shows that JFL has you on up here coming up is very much that. You're hitting, yes, you're hitting some major cities, but you're also hitting a lot of sort of suburban places where looking at your dates coming up, you're kind of going to be all over the map. And it's kind of funny because it's bookended with you returning to Vegas and then just going all over the place in Ontario, and then you're back in New York. So it's just this kind of interesting run of shows. How did this whole thing come together? How did they approach you with this? I mean, it just happens. You know, as as a comedian, people will email you and be like, are you interested in this tour? And and or or you know, do you want to do this weekend? And they either either it's feast or famine. So when I see an email. I say yes. I don't care where it is. <laughs> Hence this podcast. <laughs> yes. Hence this show. Well, it's kind of funny, too, because, I mean, you know, obviously at this point in your career, you are at a place where, yeah, I mean, any comic, you ought to keep the gig sheet full. And it is about just sort of hitting those theaters and, and, and filling up your schedule as much as possible, especially after the last couple of years when a lot of things were on hiatus. But at this point in your career, I mean, a lot of our listeners know you from you've basically done the round of all of the American Late Shows. They know you from listening to you on the air. They've seen you live. They've seen your specials. They've seen you at festivals. It's kind of a double-edged sword, I guess, because at this point you can be more selective of what you do and don't want to do, and you don't necessarily have to go everywhere. But after the last couple of years and being out there and things being wide open again, is there sort of a return to those old ways of like, I just want to be out there constantly working as much as possible? I mean, it depends because, you know, it is a theater tour, which is really fun. And some of them are selling out. And then you get to perform with other comedians and I've, I, I haven't been to Canada besides Vancouver, Montreal, and Toronto. But based on what you're saying, those are the only places I should have gone to. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Brampton and everywhere else. I'm coming to see you. You better you better show up. Well, um, it's, I think it's going to be it, fun. It is. I mean, yeah, it is a cliche about Canadian culture that everyone's so polite. And so it is funny when you do hit these gigs in these towns and you sell out these theaters, even for Canadian comics, there's this level of appreciation where everybody's just sort of like thank you for spending your time with us thank you for coming to this place i mean for you yeah you've gigged in toronto you've you've been to jfl montreal you've played shows in vancouver but coming from new york new york's crowds are notoriously a lot tougher there's those new york crowds where they're very stand-up savvy and you go and perform in these clubs and there's very much this air of like show us something in the room they're, they're a lot more cutthroat than canadian audiences have you just found a big difference when you have worked in canada that there's just sort of a more open uh, i hate to say politeness but in a way like are our audience is a little bit more milk toast let's say the new york crowds i mean it depends because you know there a lot of new york is you know is woke um but there's also a lot of uh a lot of a mix of tourists and people from everywhere it's just this like kind of mix of everything so i find new york audiences some of the best audiences um 
Canada's great too. It's just, I haven't been there in so long and I don't know what these small towns are. Now I'm just picturing people bringing their chickens to the show. Like <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. I'm, I'm still very excited to come. And, uh, and uh, I, I'm picturing this uh, rock of ages tour bus, <laughs> which I'm sure it's not, but let's just pretend until it's time. Um, and if, you know, if, if I go there once and I never want to go back, then I've done it. I've, it's off my bucket list. Brampton, you're on my bucket list. <laughs> From Vegas to Brampton. That's what you could have called the tour itself. <laughs> it is kind of funny though, because when you do hit these places, these spots in Canada, towns like that, there is sort of a feeling that it is very much like an event because this is a night out for people. This is something that they don't normally get to see. Whereas when you're living and working in New York, it's like, that is a town that is, notorious for stand-up clubs so they're kind of there and there's regular audiences and people go out to see that stuff on the regular but when you're doing a run of shows like this in canada you're going to be hitting a lot of places where people just they don't get to see live stand-up all the time and they certainly don't get to see touring headliners passing through all the time yeah no it's true i mean i just i just did paris not to brag and went to Pottstown, pennsylvania so i think that's <laughs> that's probably a bigger jump than vegas to canada that's kind of your thing right now i guess it's go big go small go big go small yeah, go there everywhere. We go. hey i don't i'm i don't judge my fans and where they live okay <laughs> I, I want them all there you go and i'm, I'm hoping to tape a special this year in english and spanish so i'm trying i'm trying to gather as many fans as possible um you know before i tape so they can come to the show there you go. All right, we're going to come back with more Carmen Lynch, oh. find out a bit more about this tour. We'll be right back right here on Inside Jokes. Hi, my name is Amanda Day, and you are listening to Inside Jokes on 640. The melody my and I am Welcome back to Inside Jokes. It is all things NYC tonight on the panel. Right now, we are one-on-one with Carmen Lynch who is right now in Vegas playing Brad Garrett's Comedy Club, but then has a run of shows brought to you by our friends at JFL. Here in Canada, it's kind of a run of the suburbs coming up. One thing, Carmen, though, I mean, a lot of, and again, as we mentioned earlier, you did join us about two seasons ago on this show, right at the very beginning of COVID, when nothing was happening at all. That's probably how we got you the first time. Uh, But it's kind of funny because a lot of our listeners do know you from, you know, your multiple, multiple, multiple late show appearances. And we were kind of talking to Jim Florentine about this earlier, too. The game has changed for comics. I mean, not that long ago, when a stand-up would get a spot on a late show, that was always a sign that you were sort of heading somewhere. You were making it. And there was that old adage of like, well, you get your set on the show, and if you get called over to the couch for an interview, regardless of whose show it was, obviously way, way, way back when that all kind of started with Carson. But, you know, if you do any of the late shows and you get an interview, that kind of was always a career maker for comics. It's it's sort of a different game now because, yes, the late shows are still a popular spot for comics and it's still very much part of that format. But does it mean as much for comics, do you think, anymore as it used to? Because we're sort of, we're in the age now of streaming specials and digital content and podcasting and generation TikTok and all this stuff. We're kind of moving away from network television in a lot of ways. Are the late shows as closely married to the life of a stand-up now as they used to be? Well, I mean, I'll do them any day. I'll go back a million times. What it does for you in general, like it just feels like comedy is in a do-it-yourself kind of place where you do your own special and you do this and that. So uh, uh, 
I don't I don't want to say anything that sounds like I'm ragging on late nights, um, but there's more to moving up now, which is it's just different. And it's you have to do it yourself. And I I I I think it's uh you have to be motivated, you have to be like I get really kind of like, oh, I have to do this myself, you know, because you know, when I did late nights, it's it's almost like psychologically, I'm like, well, they picked me. So if I mess it up, you know, but I'm being funny, but like now I'm like, oh, I want to do a special. And then there's a voice in my head that's like, who the F do you think you are that you get to do a special, like, like an imposter syndrome? Well, it is because you kind of comics are sort of more in charge of their own destiny in a lot of ways now. I mean, like you were saying, I mean, people are producing their own specials and building their own tours. And I mean, obviously, there's much more of an industry in the States. Of course, we talk about that all the time on this show. But there's always been gatekeepers, right? It's always you have to get seen by this booker and and pick up this agent and do this festival and get on this late show. All that stuff still exists, but it does really feel more like comics are much more in charge of their own destiny and building their own audience now. And you can kind of be a free agent in some ways that you couldn't before. I mean, in many ways, it's that's a lot better because we do have more... Uh, you know, you have to discipline yourself more. We have more freedom to do what we've always wanted to do. If Netflix doesn't call, and they probably won't because there's too many comedians now, you can go viral on TikTok. You can, uh, you know, put a special on and maybe have it on someone else's page and they help you get followers or whatever. But at the same time, there's so many more, uh, There's it's more competitive too. Like now we're getting influencers who are kind of jumping in there, you know, a TikTok star is, is taking over a weekend at a club where that wouldn't have happened in the past. So you do kind of have to push yourself a lot more. And I'll be honest, it's just a different road. And for me, it's, it's a different road. Like I, I got into this because I want to write jokes and, and do them on stage, but to like, wake up and be like, what am I going to post today? That's just a different habit. And, and it's not always fun because I'd rather stare at nature to be honest go on an atv ride then then figure out my captions for a stupid video <laughs> well fair enough well, even po- even podcasting we were talking to jim florentine about that it, you know not that long ago sirius xm was the place where comics would go to sort of have real conversations with other comics and fans of theirs would listen in and that's when you got to hear some of your favorite comics stepping off stage and stepping outside of their material and just sort of being more raw and open and engaging with an audience in a different way. Now it's, and again, Sirius XM still exists. Comics still host shows on there. Comics still go and do Stern and Opie and Anthony and all that stuff. But now podcasting has really become the game changer for comics. It went from this weird sort of little ham radio-like thing that comics were experimenting with to now it's created this whole new era of household names in comedy. And it's all through podcasting. And that's what people are tuning into because everything right now is all about I want to watch or listen to something at exactly when I want to. I want to be in charge of when it airs. I want to download this stuff when I want. And it's a whole new way for comics to reach an audience now. It's it's pretty crazy because it, it does feel like, you know, Joe Rogan and Mark Marin were like the only big ones for a while. And now it's like Tim Dillon and Sam and Mark and and so many people. And it almost in a way feels like it's harder to to get into that click of like very doing very well just because it's so saturated i mean honestly part of the reason that i do a podcast in spanish is because i'm like well 
maybe that's the way to go because in English it's just too hard. There's just too many. Yeah. It really is. It kind of has gotten, I, I don't want to say oversaturated, but I mean, it's like now it's, you know, it's so rare to find comics who don't have a podcast or who aren't involved in that world. It's just so tied together with doing stand up now. It's just the two are so closely married together now. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and who knows? I mean, it, it, who knows where it's going? I'm like, at this point, it, it what are we just gonna have more podcasts is is the bubble gonna burst like what's next it is true by the way i mean where are you most comfortable are you co are, do you still enjoy being a road dog do you still enjoy going out there as a comic and just going all over the map or are you happiest when you're back in new york just working on material at your favorite home club where where is the sort of happy spot for you right now as a comic I just want to go to small towns in Canada. That's been like my dream. <laughs> do you know how I can do that? That would be amazing. Um, I what? love the road. Like I just did three weeks in Europe and had a blast. Like I dragged my boyfriend with me. I did shows in English and then shows in Spanish. And then I like to go somewhere that I've never been and uh, and check it out. And uh, I'm going to Alaska in September. Yay. And hopefully uh, we're taking our uh, Spanish podcast to South America soon. So to me, it's almost like traveling and comedy work hand in hand. Um, yeah, so I kind of, I always feel like I need to move. I, I probably should stop and meditate at some point. <laughs> it's where in the world is Carmen Lynch? That's really what it is right now. That's pretty much, you don't even know where you're going in here. <laughs> but by the way, we can talk to you on the panel all day. But before we do let you go, uh, where can we find you online? Where, we, where can we grab some of those upcoming dates? Check out the podcast. Where can we find all things Carmen Lynch for our listeners? CarmenLynch.com forward slash tour has all the dates. Hopefully I'll be adding uh, dates for a special very soon. So please check it out. At Carmen Comedian is my Instagram and my TikTok. At Carmen en Español <laughs> is my Instagram in Spanish. Um, so those are like the main things. So please, please sign up for my mailing list. Um, that's all on CarmenLynch.com. There we go, Carmen Lynch. We will see you live here in Canada coming up. Not in Toronto, but literally everywhere else. Uh, thank you again for joining us. Thanks, guys. See you at a show at a small town in Canada. <laughs> we'll see you at a small town near you. That is our show. That is our panel. Thank you again to Carmen Lynch and, of course, Jim Florentine. Catch out the, check out these dates. Catch these shows live coming up. You can see Jim here in Toronto, April 21st, and check out Carmen's dates with JFL all over the place in Canada. That is our panel. You can listen to us every Saturday night right here on 640 and, of course, stream all of our episodes right back to the dawn of time on Global News Online. That's our show. We'll be back next week. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi, and you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week, we're listening to Carmen Lynch. I was at a bar the other night, and this guy came up to me, and he's like, you're awkwardly hot. <laughs> I was like, what a weird combination of words to put together awkwardly hot how do you say thank you to awkwardly hot <laughs> thanks <laughs> is that awkwardly hot i don't know what awkwardly hot is <laughs> sometimes guys compliment you and they don't explain it one time this guy came up to me he's like there's something about you that's sexy and i was like what is And he's like, not that. Uh... <laughs>